Chapter Seventeen of Barry Blake and the Flying Fortress by Gaylord Dubois. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen Out of the Fog. Flanked by two cruisers and four destroyers, the big flat top ploughed through rain and fog across the Arafura Sea. Her speed was low, since the weather front was moving slowly. She must stay behind its dark curtain until the moment came for her planes to take the air. Since the B-26 bombers were not fitted to return to her decks, there could be no practice takeoffs. However, everything possible was rehearsed. A special catapult had been built to ensure each bomber's flying speed before it reached the end of the flight deck. The engines were checked and tested and tuned until their engineers could swear to their perfect condition. The new bomb releases were objects of especial care. At the last crucial second, as they swept toward the target, nothing must go wrong. Just thirty-two hours from the time he had boarded the carrier, Barry Blake sat at the controls of the first flying bomb to be launched at Amboina. Hidden in mist, the carrier had approached within forty miles of the island. The B-26 was already in the catapult. Her double wasp radio motors were roaring at full throttle. Every man on board was braced for the launching. The shock came, jerking the pilots' heads back as their seats pushed them suddenly. The heavy-loaded Martin Marauder literally shot along the carrier's fog-swathed deck. Barry eased back on the stick and felt the deck drop away. "'We're flying,' Hap Newton said hoarsely. "'I never was so jittery taking off from a bomb-pitted jungle strip.' I'd been wondering whether that catapult would boost us into the air or into the sea. How does she handle, Barry? Like a lady, replied the young skipper. I can feel the double bomb load, but it's balanced perfectly. We'll have no trouble with it. Barry glanced at his climbing altimeter. When it showed a thousand feet, he leveled off, heading due north. An instant later, the surrounding fog fell away like torn gauze. The carrier had been keeping just within its edge until the moment her warhawks were released. Amboana Island rose like a deep purple cloud on the northern horizon. In less than fifteen minutes, it would be directly beneath. Jap flak would be bursting, tracer shells and bullets would be crisscrossing the air. Already the Jap defenses must be seething like hornet's nest. Their plane detectors had probably caught the first hum of Barry's engines, now multiplied by ten or twelve as the catapult launchings proceeded. "'Pilot from the tail-gunner,' Mickey Rourke's voice sounded on the interphone. "'I can see four of our planes just coming out of the fog.' "'They'll scatter when they reach the harbor,' Barry remarked. "'That will keep the Jap guns from concentrating on any group of them.' yeah but how about us chick enders asked we'll get to our target before the others are even in range so what retorted hap newton the japs will still be blinking the sleep out of their eyes when we slam em and once we're rid of this bomb load barry's going to make us mighty hard to hit that right skipper i'm not going to wait for that barry told him do you see that fog layer hanging close to the water it reaches almost to the tip of nusaniva point we'll duck into it and fool any gunners that might spot us too soon in clear air a long shallow dive took them into the fog layer two hundred feet above the water and there for the next thirty miles they stayed when at last the mist thinned to a few wispy streamers 
the swift little b-26 fairly hugged the water her target the nusineve radio tower loomed just ahead the shore batteries had spotted her now but she was flying too low and too fast for them the ak-ak was bursting far above and behind her some of it was aimed at her sister bombers who were now scattering over ambuana bay listen chick cried barry i'm going in low just clearing the roof of that radio station can't miss it skipper the little bombardier replied i'll lay this two-ton egg right on their breakfast table boy look at that gun crew duck for cover bombs away barry reefed back sharply gaining altitude in the few precious seconds before the delayed action blast arrived without it he might find himself knocked out of the air by the concussion the plane jumped like a baseball struck by a giant's bat her nose went down with all his might barry pulled back the control post at three hundred feet he leveled off turning sharp right to skirt the steep slope of mount kapal tail gunner from pilot he called what happened to that radio station everything sir mickey rourke answer came back the last i saw of the tower it was heading for the moon with a few bits of the station roof tagging along behind your bomb must have landed in the cellar keep your eyes peeled for zero fighters when we start shooting up the seaplane anchorage barry warned him we're moving too fast for them now you've got the best seat in the whole show rourke put in fred marmon babbitt and i are missing all the fun with our heads stuck into this two-gun top turret if we were flying sweet rosie o'grady now we could see something of the countryside the countryside said chick enders from his perch in the nose is going by too fast for me to see much of it uh-oh that ak-ak battery just ahead has spotted us wham brar the explosion of a jap shell just above the hedge-hopping marauder was answered by a two-second burst of chick's gun that crew is out of action he said grimly as the gun emplacement swept beneath them they came a little too near to spotting us better keep below the treetops where you can barry entering the little valley behind huisa point the b-26 fairly skimmed the bushes at the base of mount oriel she turned north dodged behind mount surmo and cut across the broad base of latimore peninsula behind her now lay the amboana docks and the naval station the target of bombers that were still on the way to the left appeared the tiny villages of halong and latteray barry's landmarks he hopped over the little rise between them and found himself above his next objective between forty and fifty jap seaplanes nearly half of these were big three and four motored flying boats kawanishis and mitsubishis a few aichi t-98s and a number of single-engine nakajimas made up the rest burn em up chick barry blake ordered curtly between you and rourke we ought to account for plenty of these babies the chatter of chick's machine-guns answered him barry swept over five of the huge kawanishis while chuck enders and mickey rourke ripped at their engine cowlings floats and keels he swung over a line of little nakajimas climbing swiftly and came back to strafe a string of mitsubishi boats suddenly a tracer shell streaked past the bomber's nose look out yelped mickey rourke one of them bloody aichi float planes has opened up on us wang a rending explosion in the empty bomb bay punctuated the little tail gunner's warning barry banked so sharply that his right wing nearly touched the water 
he hopped over a kawanishi and kept the big flying boat between him and the aichi's shells if nobody objects he remarked dryly we're getting out of here while we're still in one piece anybody hurt back there i've got some shrapnel bites in my legs fred marmon replied how about you soapy that shell burst right behind us are you telling me fred the radio man returned i won't be able to sit down in the presence of my betters for a couple of weeks anyway i feel as if i'd squatted on a red-hot stove when this plane quits jumping like a bee with st vitus dance you'll have to look and see what happened to my south end reassured that neither of his two sergeants was seriously hurt barry cut straight across the hitu peninsula dodging between the hills from far behind came the muffled whump whump of blockbusters falling on ambuana and the lata airfield there were no zeros over the hills as yet those which had managed to take off had more trouble than they could handle in the harbour itself suddenly a line of white surf stretched across the marauder's course skimming low above the waves she headed for the low fog bank that lay three miles out from shore a single shore battery opened fire but the shells burst well behind her seconds later she was safe inside the wall of vapour how's the gas barry curly levitt asked if we have to set down before we reach darwin i want to have my island picked out we might not happen on a perfect beach like tanaluva's but any land is better than a rubber raft we'll make it to the mainland i think the young skipper said after a glance at the fuel gauge we haven't a lot to spare though after fooling around the harbour with those seaplanes i'll go upstairs and cut the engines down to bare flying speed curly that ought to save enough gas to bring us home safely the marauder climbed easily now with no bomb load and nearly empty fuel tanks at ten thousand feet she looked down on a world of rolling clouds still dyed with sunrise colors the air at that altitude was clear and almost windless course is southwest by south curly levitt's voice came over the phone as long as we stay above the ceiling i can make corrections by shooting the sun good barry answered i'm cutting speed to one hundred fifty miles per hour we'll try to hold her there for the rest of the trip how are your shell-torn heroes doing back there in the waist say lieutenant came fred marmon's reply did you ever try to bandage a man's seat with a roll of one-inch gauze i might do it if soapy would hold still but he's wiggling like a worm on a fish-hook stand still you jitterbug ah don't try to be funny soapy's aggrieved voice answered that iodine you sloshed on me burns like fire just wait till i start operating on your legs wise guy a chorus of chuckles bubbled over the intercommunication system everyone began ribbing soapy and fred until the two sergeants were forced to join in the laughter at their expense as the merriment died down mickey rourke reported another b-26 bomber overtaking them it was flying at top speed heading for barry's plane as straight as a bullet hold her steady lieutenant the little irishman warned that crackpot pilot is intending to give us a scare if he can i wish he was a bloody jap and i could let him have it yow the oncoming bomber had dived at the last moment under barry's ship her vertical fin had actually ticked Mickey's tail position, sending a slight shock through the whole plane. An instant later she was nosing ahead, still perilously close to the belly of the slower-flying craft. "'Look out, Barry!' Chick Enders yelled. "'The crazy galoot is going to zoom right under our nose. And I'm a dodo if it isn't Glenn Crail.' 
barry gritted his teeth as crail's fuselage rose up just ahead of his greenhouse cut the engines hap he ordered i'll try to hold our nose up till that fool is clear if only we had a trifle more air speed hap was muttering savagely under his breath chick enders was gripping his gun obviously yearning to pour bullets into crail's back abruptly however the little bombardier relaxed crail's tail assembly was pulling clear and chick had just caught a glimpse of the rear gunner's scared face slap on the coal hap barry cried as his plane's nose tilted sharply upward we're going into a spin the twin engines bellowed hap revved them up to the limit but the spin continued instantly there flashed through barry's mind all his instructor at randolph field had told him to do in such a situation his hands and feet now moved automatically applying just the right control at the right moment four thousand feet above sea level he pulled out and leveled off on the compass course okay take over will you hap he said wiping the sweat from his forehead i'm tired out his big co-pilot was gazing upward through the plastic window hap's face was a deep red wait till that cockeyed ape gets out of sight can you barry he asked in a choked voice he's stunting now and waggling his wings at us if i took over nothing would keep me from giving him a dose of his own medicine i'd probably crash us both though his face was still damp with perspiration barry smiled all right hap he said quietly i'll give you a chance to cool off but you've really no reason to lose your head because glenn crail is a nut you're playing his game when you let him burn you up he's already punished himself and incidentally his crew by using up his gas with that monkey business if they get home at all it will be on a raft say exclaimed hap his face brightening i hadn't thought of that apparently crail or someone aboard his plane thought of it now for the first time the stunting ship straightened out abruptly and headed for home her distance from barry's craft however remained unchanged he's reduced speed chick enders cried it's too late though we've still enough to get home and he hasn't let's fly past and give him the merry ha-ha barry i'll take over now skipper hap chimed in cheerfully it'll be swell fun pulling up close to his wingtip and giving him the old thumbs-down signal you're taking the controls but you're keeping the interval exactly as it is fella barry blake declared those are my orders we're following glenn crail as far as he goes and when he sets down on land or water we'll at least be able to report his position an unhappy silence fell upon the marauder's crew they knew that their skipper was wholly in the right and they loved him for it but their anger at crail was not easily bottled up the appearance of a flying fortress squadron high overhead furnished a welcome change of thought wish we were going back with them chick enders exclaimed dropping one egg and skedaddling like a scared sparrow isn't my idea of fun if we'd come out in rosy we could have slung around ambrana picking out targets and making a real party of it that's the trouble chick spoke up curly levitt sweet rosie o'grady had been attending too many such parties she's all shot to junk i don't imagine that squadron of forts will hang around after they've reached their target area they'll drop their loads where they'll do the most good and head for home here comes a bunch of liberators cried hap newton oh boy are those japs due for a royal pasting they'll probably send in a few squadrons of australian havocs and north american mitchells with regular bomb loads to mop up the shipping in the main harbor that place will be a shambles 
hap's guess was correct half an hour later three large formations of australian attack bombers and b-25s swept over headed for the jap base the soldiers of hirohito were going to get their teeth knocked loose before this day was over for the next hour barry watched his fuel gauge as a mother watches her sick infant from time to time he asked curly to check their position by dead reckoning finally he asked his navigator to shoot the sun and make an accurate check either there's a difference between our compass and the one on that other plane he said or crail is a way off course he could be heading for one of the jap held islands to make his forced landing in any case i want to know exactly where we are curly levitt stepped up to the top gun turret with his octant and took his shot for a few minutes he figured rapidly you're right skipper he said in a shocked tone we're heading straight towards the tanambar group of islands if it weren't for the cloud rug below us we could probably see them from here there's a good-sized jap base on the biggest island and probably a holding force of soldiers on most of the little ones any allied plane that lands in that area is sure to be bombed or captured he's going down yelped hap newton shall we follow him skipper there may be a low ceiling under these clouds i'll take over barry answered no telling what we'll run into below he shoved the bomber's nose down into the cloud scuff eyes fixed on the altimeter he held her in a power dive past five thousand four thousand three thousand at two thousand feet they broke through the ceiling into a thin drizzle of rain visibility was fair crail's ship was about the same distance ahead as before flying low toward a small land mass three miles away beyond the small island loomed the dim bulk of tanimbar barry dropped his plane quickly towards the water if no japs on tanimbar had already spotted the two bombers the little island's mass would hide them from the larger one there might still be a chance to rescue crail's crew yes there was a smooth straight beach now exposed at low tide circling just off shore barry watched the other plane land the tricycle gear touched the hard-packed sand lightly and rolled to a smooth stop neat work barry applauded i hope i do as well of course a nearly empty b-26 wouldn't plow up wet beach sand like a fortress hey what's the idea skipper hap blurted in alarm you're not going to maroon us too on that beach isn't losing one perfectly good plane enough to suit you keep your shirt on hap and everybody barry replied we may have to abandon one plane but there's nothing to stop us from picking up crail and his team and taking them home with us in ours i have an idea they'll jump at the chance too End of chapter 17